Welcome to Perfected by Blood podcast. Our message is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and our goal is to reveal your king priest identity. We do this by opening up the scriptures through the spirit of revelation. This is Masood and Rose Ramandi, and welcome to Perfected by Blood. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to uh, start this session with uh, question and answer. But before that, uh, I want to ask you uh, a question. Uh, I want to know if how I'm going, uh, if it's too slow or too fast, because I don't know exactly where you are uh, with respect to these teachings. So if it's slow, let me know, then I can, you know, make the uh, teaching a bit faster. You want 30 different answers? <laughs> uh, no, at least like uh, 51% <laughs> majority would help. So the 94% has to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> 49, yeah. Can I say something here? I, um, everything that Masood said, I've already heard it a lot of times. So there's nothing that he says that is new to me. But every time he teaches, I listen. And every time I teach, he listens. Because it's not about what I heard it before. It's about what the spirit is revealing to me again something. I can listen to the same message a hundred times and receive new things every time. So for those of you, this is too slow. Believe me, it's slower for me. But it's refreshing when you listen to the spirits and receive new things that spirits reveal. I have my notes and I write down. And I already, I already received a few revelations this morning, even though I knew what that should be. Let me know. Let me know. What did you I don't know if you pay attention to what he said. He said Jesus is not a standard you try to live up to. He's a mirror you must look into. And if you listen to what the Spirit says, this is good to chew on for days. So I would encourage all of us, uh, now that's what you want to get your answer, please get the answer. But if it's, it's slow for you, if you listen to the Spirit, it's always fresh. So let me share, sorry, can I share a story? There was a time that the Holy Spirit told me, read this one paragraph. So I woke up in the morning and I read one paragraph. And I said, good, I read it. I'm going to go to the next paragraph. And the Spirit told me, no, read it again. So I read it. And I said, good, good, so I can go to the next paragraph. And the Spirit said, no, read it again. Whole day, I couldn't move to the next paragraph. So I finished the day. Next morning, I woke up and I said, Lord, what should I read? He said, the same paragraph. I said, no, not again. I ended up reading the same paragraph the whole day again. This happened for two weeks. I got bored after the second day because I read it how many times? But it was the second or third day that the Spirit told me, if you don't learn to read the same thing and receive fresh from me, you will get really bored fast. I ended up reading the next two weeks the same paragraph and every time I read it, something new was opened to me. That was when I realized that I have to listen to the Spirit. It doesn't matter if Masood is talking or anyone's talking. A Spirit has something to tell me right now. So just to encourage all of you, this is too slow, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, thank you, Rose. Mm -hmm. That's a great reminder. Uh, so again, back to the question, who thinks this is a slow? <laughs> Rose is not going to see your face. <laughs> I'm going to ask her to close her eyes. So uh, honestly, um, do you want me to go faster or this is a good pace? Is it? Okay, so let's go to the question uh, questions and I think that would even help uh, to and adjust. So uh, if you have any question, I would like to hear, and then we would go through that. If there was no question, I would pick up from uh, basically uh, where we left off. Uh, okay, I have a question. And, uh, sure. I already uh, uh, told you in English, so I, I can tell it in Dutch, and you can answer it in, in English. Uh, sure. For sure, yeah. yeah. Ik, uh, ik zei, het is misschien off-topic uh, in deze uh, bijeenkomst, maar ik was vooral bekend, even benieuwd uh, van mijn zoet van, wij hebben uh, moslimvrienden en uh, die zeggen, ja, maar hebben dezelfde God als jullie. We hebben de God van Abraham, Isaac en Jacob en dat is ook de God waar jullie, uh, en dan hebben we wel een verschil tussen Jezus, Jezus en uh, uh, de moslims hebben dan Mohammed, maar, maar de God is hetzelfde. En ik heb uh, Masoud gevraagd van, is onze God dezelfde God als de God van de moslims? I think you understand. Ja. Oké. So I think, based on what I remember, the question is, um, how do you reach out to Muslims who think uh, they're worshiping the same God? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, okay, and the question also, is uh, the God they're worshiping the same God uh, that Christians worship? So I wanna approach this from an angle that maybe it's um, not uh, so common uh, in Christianity, uh, because the obvious answer is no. I, for a moment, I felt like I'm in Canada, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so now, but, uh, I, would, I wouldn't start from there. I need to explain what I need. Uh, because who God is, is uh, it remains the same no matter how we perceive him to be. And no matter if you're a Muslim or Christian, you can still believe wrong about who God is. Because even in Christianity, according to Paul, we have uh, a false God. Not that the God of Christians is a false God, but the perception in Christianity could be wrong. This is in 2 Corinthians 11, verse uh, 1 to 3, where we read something about another Jesus, another uh, spirit, and another gospel. Notice we have Jesus, the spirit, and the gospel, but it's another Jesus, it's another spirit, and it's another gospel. This is in Christianity. That means I, as Christian, could be believing this and others, and talk to a Muslim, and argue with them who God is, while I myself don't know who God is. The name is there, Jesus. Spirit is there, the gospel is there. It looks like Jesus, it sounds like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. So uh, therefore, my approach is this. 
So when I'm with a Muslim, this is my approach. I wouldn't argue over the name. I wouldn't argue about Jesus. I would try to explain or show to them the nature of this Jesus. Because if I show them truly uh, who Jesus is, not according to name, but according to nature, then they would want me or they would ask me what the name of this God that you're talking about is. Uh, this actually happened literally to me. I have a story for this. Uh, there was a person that I talked to about uh, Jesus without bringing the name of Jesus. This is several years ago. So uh, I talked to him about uh, the truth that I had just found out. I knew if I would talk to him about the name Jesus, he would immediately say no. But I started talking to him about uh, God being light. God is love and life. And I explained what that means. And I showed him what, uh, according to scriptures, uh, how he sees him. Like what was the uh, perspective of this God concerning this person? I did that for two weeks, uh, four to five hours every day. After two weeks, he told me, would you please tell me what's the name of this God? I said, Jesus. And he was no more offended. He said, okay, let me hear more. For the next month and a half, I talked to him. And after basically uh, two months, he said, I have received something from the word and I want to know if this interpretation is correct. So he, I never talked to him about Jesus being God or son of God or anything like that. I showed him the nature and I gave him something to read. So this was two months later. So it's not a fast, quick thing. It's not like you plant a seed and immediately jumps out. So it requires the patience that comes from love. So he came and he said, I was reading the Gospel of John and I've been reading about Jesus, this Jesus, uh, how he lived that he loved people, he healed them, he blessed them, he gave them bread to eat, and yet a mankind did all things that they wanted to do to him. They rejected him, they uh, spat on his face, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they put him on the cross. And he was on the cross. He had done nothing wrong, but they had done everything that was wrong to him. But in that moment, he had the opportunity to say all the curses that are available in human words to them, but he didn't. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He said, now, we have been believing in Islam and its prophets and imams, and we've been told stories about the justice in Islam, how these imams were so just that when one of them was stricken with a sword, that he said, find the person and strike him with the same number of striking, nothing more. So this was their definition of justice. So that means the best of the leaders of our religion still revenged. But this Jesus didn't. He said, it is impossible for a man to experience what he experienced and not do what every other man has been doing. This Jesus is not a man. He's God. I didn't say that. A Muslim said that but he wasn't anymore a Muslim. Why? Because he had a revelation. I didn't force on him who Jesus is. The Father revealed to him. In fact, he told me that he had been seeing a dream over the years 
that he, he saw in the dream over and over that his father passed away. And after three days, he came back to life. And he did not receive his father. I showed him John chapter 1, that it says, everything that was made was made through him. And he came to this world, and the world did not receive him. So he understood who Jesus is. So God didn't care about him having a name Muslim or not Muslim. He was showing him dreams way before I talked to him about who Jesus is. So I realized God doesn't start working in people when they say, I believe in Jesus. God is already working in people. I just jump in. So his love, and that means he's patient, and I am in his nature, and I'm going to be patient too. This is what I, I would say in conclusion. Oh, yeah. No matter the person is Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or atheist or Christian, I would look at them as God's creation. I would look at them as they being forgiven. And I would help them to experience forgiveness. Not to believe to be forgiven, but to believe that they are forgiven. So my evangelism is changed a bit. Instead of us versus them, I recognize there is no us and them. Just as I'm not going to look at my uh, brothers or uh, sister or uh, friends as them and me, I'm not going to look at others as them, but I'm going to look at them as my neighbor. And those people who didn't believe who their neighbor was and asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He gave a definition that included anyone. And they remembered what it means to love your neighbor, not your fellow believer, but your neighbor. Because in God's definition, my neighbor is the one that is hurt. Now, if you want to spiritualize what it means by sin, because in that example that Jesus talked about uh, basically loving the neighbor and who that neighbor was, the focus was the hurt that that person had gone through. Now, let me give you the meaning. Sin had done to humanity something so bad that they don't anymore recognize who they are. That means humanity has lost a sense of knowing who they are. And Jesus used wine and oil to help the man. That's the blood and the spirit. So he said, do this to your neighbor. Instead of exposing their wound, heal it. So instead of exposing their sin, reveal their righteousness. People don't believe this. I mean, I, I figured Christians don't believe this. They think you have to first expose sin. They have to make them believe and confess that they have sinned. And that's why Christianity still believes that we are sinners saved by grace. But Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 16 and 17 says, The gospel is not the revelation of sin or exposure of sin. The gospel is the revelation of righteousness. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation. For in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, not the sin of mankind. The gospel is not about the sin of mankind. The gospel is the re revelation of the righteousness of God that God is righteous, that he can't possibly see you apart from what he created you to be. God said, let us make man in our own image, and he did it. And God is not going to look at you and say, look at what you have done. God is going to make you remember what he created. There are numerous, numerous verses in the Bible that says you have forgotten the rock that begot you. You have forgotten the rock that begot you. Now, you want me to go faster? I'm going to go faster. In the book of Daniel, 
there is a stone taken from a mountain. You can say from a rock. And that stone, so let's say there is a, um, there is a mountain. Okay, and then there is a stone. And that stone comes to a, an image that was set by king of Babylon. This is an image. This is an image. So this stone is taken and strikes this image on the foot. And that image is destroyed. Do you know what it speaks of? Back to the spiritual understanding. The Bible speaks only of two images. One is God's image and the other is man's image. In Romans chapter 1, it says man exchanged this image with that image. So man took on himself an image that is not God's image. And it says that's the image of the corruptible man. A false perception of who I am. According to the prophecy of Daniel, there is a rock. And this rock is that everlasting rock. And it says it's your God. This stone that comes is Jesus. It's that stone that strikes the false image on its feet in you. Let me say it again. The true image of God strikes the false image of God. Jesus is the true image of God. But the image of God was supposed to be a man. And God made them in his own image, the Bible says. Not one, them. God made mankind in his own image. But an exchange caused them to give away the true image and take the false image. And Romans 1 tells us how. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Remember, we're going to look at this spiritually. Because anybody can read this and say, well, look at here. There is a wrath of God. And the wrath of God is coming. But here we read the wrath of God has already come. In fact, it doesn't say it came. It says it is revealed. And you can remember that revelation is only for a mystery. So if the wrath of God is revealed, the wrath of God was a mystery. But anybody takes that word and says the wrath of God as if God is angry like man. No, he's not. James chapter 1 tells us so. It says there is a difference between the wrath of God and wrath of man. The wrath of man is said to us in James chapter 1. So James chapter 1 uh, verse 19 says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I I'm going to go one step beyond and say, but the wrath of God produces the righteousness of God. Now, let me show you what wrath is, which you see, by the way, in the book of Revelation over and over. Romans chapter 1 tells us, it says, the wrath of God is against unrighteousness of man, not against man. So first off, the wrath of God is not against man, but the wrath of God is against the unrighteousness of man, and then gives us the explanation. It says that's suppressing the truth. So that means there is a truth, but mankind is covering it up. A few verse later says they exchanged the image of God. 
So the wrath of God is against mankind forgetting the image of God. That wrath drove him to do something that would remind them the truth. The word wrath, by the way, means passion. The passion of God drove God to do something to mankind that instead of suppressing and covering the truth, they could uncover it and see it. Okay, now think about this. On the cross, um, let me actually find the verse to show you what happened. Look at Isaiah chapter, I think, 50, yeah, Isaiah 52, uh, verse 14 says, Just as many were astonished at you, so his uh, visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So it says, once again, his uh, appearance was so uh, marred, so hurt, so changed than any human being ever going to that far. Verse 15 says, so shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouth at him. Okay, right after saying that his appearance was marred more than any man or any son of man, it says he shall sprinkle them. What's the other word beside sprinkling in the Bible? What does uh, Hebrews and Exodus and Leviticus say about sprinkling? Sprinkling was always by the blood. So verse 14 and verse 15 say this. The crucifixion of Jesus produces a blood that would sprinkle you. But it says this happens when he's deformed. That means all that blood that was in him has come out. Now, blood speaks of life in the flesh. So when all his life was given, that's the meaning of blood sp uh, spilling out. So all that life was given that you and I could be sprinkled. That caused him to have an image that was not any more recognizable so that we could be sprinkled so we could remember so what much. image we are. So when Jesus came and he was crucified and he was raised from the dead, it was not about God showing grace for a season and then say what my judgment and wrath is going to come. But God brought judgment and wrath so that that forgotten image could be restored. Make sense? Any question? So back to the question about like reaching out to Muslims. It's not really about uh, figuring out with them whether the God of Christianity or the God of Islam are the same or not. The question is how much life can be poured out from me to sprinkle them from that false image. Let me say it in other words. Jesus didn't make us something that we were not. Jesus reminded us what we are. That's how you're being set free from your works and you enter God's rest. When you recognize the day that he said it is finished, God's work was finished. And if you believe what he said on the cross, you come out of working and you enter into his rest, which means you believe what he says about who you are. That's the entire story of the garden and story of Genesis chapter 3. A lie was told, they believed, they exchanged the image. They saw themselves lacking, they were ashamed, they started to cover themselves. And God said, I'm not going to allow that. He took away what they had covered themselves with and he covered them with what he wanted them to have. Did he change who they are? No, he removed that false covering. 
So that means what he saw stands the truth. So the story of Jesus dying for me so that I could be forgiven is called another gospel. But Jesus dying so I could <clears throat> see God not being angry at me, but willing to give his life for me, would set me free from a false image of God that is an angry God. Who did Jesus die for? Did he die for Christians? There was no Christian yet. But yet he said, greater love has no one than this, than one would lay down his life for his friend. He called those who were not Christian his friends. Do you know why? Because man had seen God as his enemy. Since the garden, man thought God is his enemy. And Jesus came and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I no longer call you servants, but my friends. And my love is that I would lay down my life for you. So the cross is a manifestation of that which has always been true. And this is it. God loves man. And that love brings life. That's John chapter 3, verse 16, which again, unfortunately, is abused by evangelistic messages that say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. So it says, God so loved that they may have life. And he's not talking about life after death. He's not talking about a life that comes when you die. Because Jesus himself said, this is eternal life. John chapter 17, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you sent. You're not going to know God in future. You're not going to know God in heaven. That means you're not going to experience eternal life when you go to heaven. These are bad interpretations of glorious terms in the Bible. It says, let me tell you something. Death comes from false understanding of the divinity, who God is. And Moses gave you that. If you don't believe me, read 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6 again. It says, yeah, it says, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Paul says, but I'm not a minister of death. He says, I'm not a minister of the old covenant. I'm a minister of the new covenant. And he says, the old covenant was a ministration of condemnation. Not God condemning, but it's the old covenant condemning. It's reading the letter without that voice of the spirit. So Jesus, when he came, he said, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think he's talking about only Pharisees? Or perhaps all who came before him, including Moses and Elijah and Jeremiah and Daniel and all the prophets. Why? Because they themselves wrote something they themselves did not understand. Jesus came, he said, no one has ever seen God. So they heard the voice and they wrote it down without understanding, without seeing. Jesus said, no one has ever seen God. The only begotten has made him known to us. Only the Son of God can reveal who God is, not the servants of God, not Moses. Because Moses was a servant, Jesus is a son. So a carnal understanding of the scriptures brings death, but spiritual understanding through Jesus brings life. So this is what Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say believe so that your sins could be forgiven. He said your sins are forgiven, therefore believe. Sounds the same but 180 degrees different. One says, try to believe so you can be forgiven. The other says, hear the good news. You are forgiven. 
Isn't it easier? Now, it doesn't mean just go and tell them your sins are forgiven always. That means live as if they are forgiven. So don't look at them as these wicked sinners that are going to hell. Look at them as God's children who have forgotten who they are. Okay, long answer to your question. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, is that a good time to uh, have a break? Or Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, let's do a quick break and then uh, we come back. Would you like to receive more teachings like this? There are three ways you can get them. First, subscribe to our mailing list and get a free book on how to understand the Bible by visiting perfectedbyblood.com forward slash sign up. Second, subscribe to our YouTube channel and get access to our weekly videos and live streams by visiting youtube.com forward slash perfected by blood. Third, sign up for our online courses by visiting perfectedbyblood.com forward slash pbb dash courses dash and dash memberships. I'll leave the link to all these three options down below in the description section. Go check them out. We look forward to seeing the unveiling of Christ in you.